my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. And thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy, where for this sit down, I'm joined by the breather, Nick Higgity, where we are going to be comparing our All Blacks teams for the upcoming Steinlager series against the Irish. And before we get the show on the road, though, bro, um, I'd like to make a special shout out to the team over at Sports Fuel for their support and hooking my listeners up with a discount code. So if you are after any health supplements, be sure to check out their website and use code CWK to save yourself some cash. But back over to you, bro. Why don't we start off with how life is and what have you made of Super Rugby in 2022? Thanks for having me, Jordan. Um, I'd like to give a little shout out to uh, Smirnoff Soda as well uh, that are sponsoring me coming on this program tonight. So uh, if you haven't already, try to sm- try out a new Smirnoff Soda. I recommend the pineapple. Your missus will thank me later. <laughs> but um yeah, no, nah, um, what have I thought of Super Rugby so far? It's been uh, quite interesting. I think um, Australian teams have stepped up. Dave Rennie's obviously making an impact over there. And I think uh, it's been good. Obviously, there's only one Australian team left in the in the semifinals. But, hey, isn't it awesome that they were in the playoffs? So made the competition a little bit more exciting and not the same old, same old. What have you made of having eight out of the 12 teams make the playoffs? Do you think it's stupid? No, no, I think it was quite mm. good. Although we knew probably which teams were going to win, it meant that the Australian teams kind of had a chance and not only that satisfaction of making the playoffs, so it's like the Reds made the playoffs, so they're, they're going to look and try and getting one better and making the semis the next year or um, same with the Highlanders, that's their kind of benchmark now for next year. So um, it keeps teams a little bit more interested. Yeah, no, I was a fan. Yeah, see, I went the other way, bro, only because the games, I guess, in the season didn't really matter as much because, the, the what is it, two-thirds of the competition makes the playoffs, right? So I think teams can know they're like, oh, fuck, even if we have, what was it? I think the Highlanders lost more games than they won, and they knew that they were still mathematically a chance at making the playoffs. So I'm not sure it actually puts that much pressure on the teams to turn up week in, week out. You, you sort of take out those two newbie teams, Moana and the Drua, because you're just like, well, surely they can't make the playoffs with having to, I guess, lay the foundations in their first year. And then, I mean, the strength of the Australian teams, while they were more competitive this year, I mean, they were still a step below. I mean, the Rebels and the Force, um, most notably. Yep, I, I, I hear you there, but I also think that, hey, look, the Hurricanes lost to the Western Force over there. They also lost to the Brumbies over there. So there was a benefit of finishing higher and having that home quarterfinal. So I think if the Brumbies were playing away to someone, they wouldn't be in the semifinals because they didn't travel too well away from home. So, yeah, interesting. They could go with a top six maybe and the top two get a, a rest. Mm. Um, that, that could work. But, yeah, there, there was some... Hey, it wasn't a, a clean-cut competition like, you know, Moana beating... Brumbies on the last round robin game and you know they Fiji drew almost beating the Chiefs and you know every week was kind of you didn't know who was going to who was really going to win you know Western Force beating the Canes like bet you wouldn't have picked that one so um, yeah I see where you're coming from 
I don't know. I just, I just felt like towards the back end of the competition, I don't know, teams sort of took their foot off the pedal while, you know, like I guess we didn't know the the playoff games up until that final round. What was, I think, the the force needed the Rebels to to beat the Chiefs to to jump or to, to, to jump the Highlanders, sorry. But yeah, I just sort of took away from, I guess, the importance of actually like winning your games week in, week out. And then I guess on the other hand, for me as well, bro, it's, you know, when teams know that they're not a chance of making the playoffs, you know, I'm talking in years past, that's when we would have seen a lot of the younger guys blooded in. Um, I guess we saw more of that this year with COVID, but I guess now with eight of the 12 teams making the playoffs, you know, we're not going to maybe see guys get a crack, you know, the, the sort of fringe guys of a squad. That's just yeah. my personal take because like if you're in the eight or like you're in the running for the eight up until the last round, a coach is going to want to put his full strength team out there or build towards the playoffs, right? And so will that see less younger guys given a crack? I don't know. Um, uh, it's, I would say that the depth in the Super Rugby teams has gotten less and less because of Moana Pacifica mainly. Um, I don't know about in Australia, but Definitely, I know the Highlanders struggled with depth because mm. they were Liam Coombs Fabling. He wasn't even assigned um, Highlander at the start of the year and he ended up being with them for the whole season. You know, all these kind of um, guys that were probably ones that you didn't think were going to be on the spectrum actually ended up getting a shot. So, yeah, can hear you on that side. But um, also, I think, especially with New Zealand, that there's. Um, a lot of opportunities for a lot of guys that probably you wouldn't pick and you're starting 15 for a Super Rugby quarterfinal, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right there, bro. I don't know. I, I just feel like like in life or fucking at least at uni, you know, you need to get 50% to pass and the idea that you're not in the top half of the table but you still make the playoffs, I don't know. It just doesn't really sit right with me. But unfortunately, we were at, or we as in New Zealand, um, we're at the mercy of the Australians in terms of getting this competition up and running and they were pretty much like well we know we're nowhere near as good as the the kiwi teams um so we're going to need more opportunities for our teams to make the playoffs and that's just the way things have worked out with us only having the australians to rely on because fuck knows what the south africans are going to be doing moving forward even in the international space bro but why don't we park the super rugby chat there otherwise you'll just get me um fucking chewing your off um and into our team so what i threw to higgity was Based off of last year, I think going into the end of the year tour, they picked a squad of 36. Um, and so I'd put together a squad of 36 just off the top of my head, you know, thinking, like, oh, who would I pick for my team? And then it came out that Ian Foss is going to be picking a squad of 36 ahead of the series with the Irish. So, yeah, why don't we start with the big boys up front, my man? Who are your props? Props, I decided to go with George Bauer, uh, Nepo Lalala, uh, Ethan DeGroote, Offer Tuanga Fassi, my good friend Jermaine Ainsley. I think he's been playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a tight head, which is a position that's probably with Tyrell Lomax not really being a starter for the Hurricanes and didn't really play that well. Um, and between it's probably between him and Angus Tartaval, to be honest. So it'll be interesting to see how Tartaval plays in the next couple of weeks. Well, this week and if he progresses on but they're probably looking at, at where they can in, introduce some fresh faces um, that can bring some fresh energy rather than having the guys who have um, maybe just 
kind of been there and not really had too much of an impact. That's where I've gone for Jermaine. And we're not too sure about Joe Moody's. Joe Moody, uh, he's nah, no yeah, he, yeah, he's done for the year, bro. Yeah, so I need another loose head. Um, and I decided to go with Abraham Pole from Wana Pacifica. And uh, he's the top try scorer out of all props in Super Rugby. As much as I love seeing a big fella crash over the whitewash, that's not their job, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he scrum well. He scrum really well. He was with the Crusaders. And they couldn't keep him because they had already signed their props. But word is that he's going to be offered a contract next year with the Crusaders. Um, Jason Ryan really likes him. So he actually posted out an article saying, this kid's going to play Super Rugby this year, I have no doubt. And then Moana um, Pacifica, him being um, from Tongan descent, signed him straight away and he ended up starting most games from Moana Pacifica. So, yeah, definitely one to watch for the future. I don't think he'll make the All Blacks this year, maybe, but I threw him in there because... I'm not too sure on any other loose heads that we've got. Probably uh, if Kalto Nukuafi is going overseas, I doubt they'll pick him. Yep. So I've excluded him from my team as well um, on that fact, bro. Where is he going? France, I think. Uh, yeah. So my loose heads are George Bauer, Ethan DeGroote, and then my third man was Ollie Norris from the Chiefs. He seems to be a guy with a bit of wraps around him. Um, and then in the tights, I've gone with Nepo Laulala, Tyrell Lomax, and then my other newbie is Fletcher Newell. So I've excluded Ofatunga Farsi and overlooked one of my previous guests uh, in Jermaine Ainsley. Well, I, I hear what you're saying around him. and they, I mean, they munched the Blues scrum last week. Uh, I don't know. This Fletcher Newell kid seems to have a bit of wraps on him as well. Um, and I think any prop that's in the Crusaders set up under Jason Ryan must be doing something right. The reason why I've excluded Offer is that I just think he's just a walking penalty, bro. I know that he's, well, I think he's played like 50 tests for the All Blacks, but the fact that he got sat on his ass last week against Ethan DeGroote, and yeah, I, I don't know. There's just something about him. Like whenever he comes on the field, like you can just bank on him giving away a penalty. If, I mean, he's, he's going to get picked for the All Blacks because I'm not sure Foster has the cojones to drop a player with that much, I guess, experience. But yeah. yeah, those are my six props. It's, I mean, at the end of the day, bro, like I know bugger all about front row play. So I get a lot of my knowledge from reading and Norris and Fletcher Neal, the two young fellas, they seem to be light on their feet. And with the way that rugby's going, we need more dynamic front rowers. I mean, what is it? Who's the, who's the guy from Ireland? I watched like a video clip the other week. Furlong, I think it is, bro. And he's throwing like skip passes off both hands. And while that moment, yeah, 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 bro. I know he's huge. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I know. I couldn't believe it when I was watching him throw these pills, but I think that the all blacks were found out at the end of last year with the way that the French and the Irish packs especially played. So I think if we're going to front it with them, we need to change things up because I don't think we can just rely on our forwards just banging and crashing and, nailing the set piece I think there needs to be an extra bow to the game mm. yeah I agree is um, Tamati ta, sorry Tamati Williams is he tight head or loose head he plays both sides but I think he's wanting to make his name as a tight head fuck he's a yeah. big fella as well eh holy he is a big fella so I don't like I, I think he's one to watch for them as well like if you say Fletcher Newell I can understand I think 
don't know which one's older of the two of them, but I know they're both on the bench for the Crusaders this weekend. But yeah, he is a big human, um, and maybe something that the All Blacks need. And if they're not going to have off throwing a fussy, maybe a young fella like him, because Newell's not the biggest fella. He's only about five foot ten. So just thinking if you do come up against those big packs, so it does matter. And because he's young, test footy, yeah, can be a bit of a step up. Yeah, man, fair call. But I guess in my eyes, fuck, we got nothing to lose. I mean, if we're going to go down losing, we might as well get a guy in there that's going to go past the next World Cup. But hey, yeah. these are just my fucking predictions. Over to our hookers, bro. Who have you gone with? Uh, I have gone for Dane Coles. Um, Samsoni, Tokiaho and Cody Taylor Coles even though he hasn't played that much? Yeah simply for his leadership he'd be the guy that you know you can't just have a whole heap of guys who have been in the All Blacks that or have played you know under 10 caps you've got to have some of those guys that have been there and they know the initiation process um, mm. they know that you don't sit at the back of the bus and I think he's one of those guys that, although his he hasn't played a lot of footy, it's the uh, aura that he would bring with him and the uh, demanding for excellence at training and everything that they do that he would bring. Yeah, I think there's definitely something there in terms of his mana, not only in the All Blacks, I think you see it in the Canes as well, just the way that the boys seem to lift uh, and even with the likes of Cody Taylor, bro, I think, you know, he set the world on fire last year in Super Rugby, but he hasn't really been able to translate that to the all-black level consistently. There is just something different about Coles. I, I think, you know, you could he could be on the Bears the whole week and then you get him on the field on Saturday and he does a job. Like, he just seems to be one of those guys who rises the bigger the pressure. Mm. So, yeah, there's definitely something there, but... Well, yeah. I put him in there because he was the one who drew and passed to Ryan Crotty when we beat him uh, right on the full-time whistle. So I'm sure he would have a fond memory of that and want to um, obviously lose him last year. I'm not sure if he played in that test, but he's the one that's uh, got us a win before. So Good omen. Yeah, I like it. All right, over to the tall timber. Locks, I'll kick this one off. I've gone with Brody Retallick, Scott Barrett, Tupo Vai. Sam Whitelock. And then the last one was a tricky one because I'm not sure if they're going to have a proper look at Patrick Tuipulosu. I'm pretty sure he's eligible with the contract that he signed. He's over in Japan at the moment on his sabbatical. But I would go with Josh Lord personally. So those would be my five locks. I know there's been a bit of talk around whether or not Sam Whitelock's still got it in him, you know, not only for this year, but, you know, heading into the next World Cup. Um, but I, I just think for the time being, you pick him because, again, I think he's like one of those Coles-esque players and that he has that leadership. In fact, he's played 100 tests for the All Blacks. From what I've read, the line-out went to shit when he didn't play. So even just having him in camp and giving the likes of Scott Barrett and Vai the opportunity to learn off him, and then if he doesn't you know, turn it on on the field, at least that way we've, uh, well, the guys have had some sort of exposure to him. So, yeah, that's my sort of rationale. Eh? I mean, I like Patrick Tuipulotu, but, fuck, I haven't seen him all year. So, and we all saw how Bowden Barrett and Brody Retallick came back from Japanese rugby and how they took a while to acclimatise back to Southern Hemisphere rugby. Definitely agree. I agree with all of those. The only one that I think that they will look at is 
ex All Black Luke Romano, and he could be a wild card. And I don't know who they would drop, but he is so experienced and he is a huge human. He his physical presence that he brings, like every carry, I don't think I've ever seen him a carry and not go forward. He's about 135 kilos. He's six foot six and a half or whatever. He's played over a hundred super games. He's played for the All Blacks. He's been there before. I don't know why he got dropped from the last time, but he's been playing really well. Yeah, well, he definitely has been a part of the, I guess, the revitalization with the Blues. I mean, they were already trending that way, but he's definitely made a difference in that pack with giving them some sort of edge. But I'm just not sure about the age, bro. I'm pretty sure he's like 36. So is he really a worthwhile investment? And I'm not sure he's that big a difference maker to where he's going to win us a World Cup. Yeah, that's what they said about Brad Thorne, though. So you never know. You never know. Interesting one. I, yeah, I mean, I, I've read all the stuff about him again, you know, being the rugby geek that I am. And, I mean, it's telling on the field as well. Who was I speaking to? Josh Goodhue. And he said that he's learned, you know, so much off him, you know, not only through the off-season, but even in-game and the pressure that he put on him to – and the four-pack full stop to, to lift their games. And that's what's ultimately seen them – what is it? They've only lost the one game this year and they've pretty much spanked everyone maybe outside of the Crusaders and when they lost the Canes, but I'm just not sure a 36-year-old is worth taking a punt on, personally. But that's your team and that's what i got you on here to do. Lucy's though. Yep, Lucy's. Uh, we have Adi Savia, uh, Dalton Papa, Lee, Sam Kane, um, who is on the bench for the Chiefs this weekend. Now, is mm-hmm. he coming back from an injury? Yep. Yeah. Um, Luke Jacobson. I've got Hoskins Satutu, simply because he's already paid for the All Blacks. If it was he hadn't paid for the All Blacks, I would be picking Sol Cooler. But because he's played for the All Blacks already, I think they'll go for him. Um, I've got Akira Yuani. I've got uh, Shannon Frizzell. And I've got newcomer Marino Makaretu. So is that, is that eight Lucy's? Two, four, six, eight, yeah. Mm. Is that how many I'm allowed? Well, you, you, it's your team, bro. You know, you just, you just got to make sure you keep 36. I've gone with seven. Um, oh, okay. And that was, and I only say that because um, I'll quickly rattle off mine, bro. So I've gone with Papali'i, Kane, Sevilla, Satutu, Frizzell. I went with Irwani. And then the last one, which would have been Ethan Blackadder, but it looks like he's going to be out for the season with his shoulder. Um, so Luke Jacobson sneaks in. Otherwise, I would have omitted Jacobson only because I think he's missed a decent chunk of rugby. I know that he took a knock at the start of the year, so he was out for like a month. And there's been that many sort of chopping and changing with, with all the different teams in terms of lineups, you know, COVID disruptions and whatnot. I don't think he's... I think he, out of all of them, maybe outside Iwani and Frizzell, yeah, he's probably played the least amount of games. But, I mean, Shannon Frizzell was on a tear until he took his knock. Akira Wani's picked it up since he's come back from his ankle injury. Um, okay, I'm going to challenge you, Kingy. Who in your forward pack, then, you've basically named your forwards, apart from the two new props, but the same forwards of the test that we played last year. Mm-hmm. Who's our bolters? Who's going to change it for us? Or are you relying on the on the 
Well, they're, well, they're not. Well, they're not old though, bro. So, I mean, personally, if I was picking a loose forward trio, yeah, I would pick Papali'i at blindside. I know that's playing him out of position. Yeah, I play Adi Severe at seven. Yeah, and then unlike you, I like Satutu. He brings it he, out of all of them. He's got the most X factor, in my opinion, because of his skill set. And I don't think we've he's been given a decent enough crack at test level to really see him flourish. But, I mean, you look at the shit he does for the Blues. I mean, he, if he didn't have a number on his back, you could say that he plays like a midfielder, bro, just with his skill set and the way that he carries tall so he can get around the corner with his offloads. But, I mean, Ian Foss is going to be picking Sam Cannon open side, Artie Severe at eight, so then it's about, you know, who, who gets the six jersey. Yes. Who outplayed, who was the best number eight off the Blues versus the Highlanders? So are we taking one game and that's how we're determining? No, no. No, I was just wondering, that was the most recent game. That no, happened. don't get me wrong, mate. Like, I, 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 I rate Marino, but I think that the All Blacks have invested in Hoskins and I don't think he... I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched the both of them closely enough to compare like who's been the better number eight for their team. And I think you have to take into consideration Hoskins has been playing in a winning team and it's always hard playing in a undersized four pack for one in, in Marino's case and then mm. in a not very good team. So I definitely hear where you're coming from, but I don't know. There's, there's something out of all those forwards out, instead of Sevilla, I mean, because Sevilla is just fucking surreal. I don't know how he does half the shit he does for the Hurricanes. So Tutu is just a difference difference maker amongst that pack for me. Right. So if Marino was playing for the Blues and Satutu was playing for the Highlanders, you would still pick Satutu? Yes, because of the skill set. Oh, that's cool. Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll kick on to our backs. Half yep. backs, I've gone with three. Those being Aaron Smith. Yeah. Brad Weber. Okay. And then my third one, and it's tough. Finlay Christie's arguably been the form halfback of the competition. Mm-hmm. But Flau, difference maker. Like he's just. The, the, especially the way that he's come on the last month coming off the bench what was it the game against the Reds mm-hmm. I think it was when they came from behind and it was mm-hmm. all and it was all his doing um, yeah he's got to be in there for me yeah so those are my three I 100% agree although I yeah I can't pick I think they pick either Christie or Weber one of the two I think they have to take Fakatawa because they need something to come off the bench that's like, if they're in the shit, mm. okay, we're getting this guy on and he'll make something happen. Whereas if you think about TJ, he's not, he's just not the same player that he was. He's probably a bit old now, maybe. Whereas Aaron Smith's old, but like he can get away with it slightly because he's not, what would you call it, a physical running halfback. Where, yeah. Um, it's not a skill he, set, yeah. His game is reliant on skill, whereas I think... Perinara made his name with being an athlete and he's known for yeah. putting shots on in defense. Whereas, yeah, but I think we've seen, I mean, again, like when you're playing behind a struggling pack, you know, it makes things bloody hard, but he does look a step slower. Yes. And I think we've seen that in the All Blacks last year when he, like he did have a couple of get, like moments where we're like, oh yeah, yeah, he's, he's good. But there was definitely some where we were like, yeah. And I think he got a lot of hate actually on online, which 
you know, nobody likes. But I think the time is for Fakatava. I do I do tend to agree. And it seems like New Zealand's rugby has put in a request to get him and they got mm. him to prove. <laughs> like you get like you put him, you know, you you gotta think that he's gonna be in there. Oh yeah, I think that's pretty telling. The fact that they went through all that hassle to appeal what was it the, the eligibility rules because i mean he would have been an all black last year like christy probably wouldn't have got picked mm. um had vakatava not gone down with his knee injury um, and like you said out of all the nines in the country he he's just a triple threat you know like his his skill sets come a long way um i've actually been quite impressed with the way he clears the ball and his box kicking but it's just the running game ball in hand you know not only in support but he's powerful for a little fella I mean, he plays almost like an extra loose forward, almost TJ-esque in a way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, totally agree with you, bro. He has to be yeah. in there. But then, yeah, it's just a matter of whether or not they take the more experienced player in Brad Weber or they pick the form half back in Christie. Mm. Yeah. All right. Who's playing outside them, though? Who are your tens? I've decided to go Barrett and Moana. Mm-hmm. I think Barrett starts and Moana comes off the bench. But, hey, you wouldn't be too disconcerned if it was the other way around either. Yeah. I don't know what it's been with Moana. I'm not sure if those two weeks off at the start of the season uh, threw him off. But he hasn't been the same player. And I point to that game against the Blues where they lost at Eden Park or where they lost at was it Orange Theory Stadium. And he just, he was a passenger. I mean, he, he's, he's been Mr. Super Rugby the past four to five years. But, yeah, he just hasn't kicked on like I thought he would. Like, I I, I thought when he came back, when he did come back for the Crusaders, he, he would make a world of difference. But um, that wasn't the case. And, I mean, you have to give credit to Barrett. He has been a difference maker when he has played for the Blues. And his running games come back, I think, well, the past 18 months, we hadn't seen the sort of running that we saw from him like on Saturday. So I think that probably, yeah, presses yeah. his claims a little further ahead than Moanga to get that 10 jersey come the first test. Yeah. Midfielders, though, for me, um, I've gone with five. Rico Iwani, David Havali, Jack Goodhue, Roger Torvasashek, and then the last one was difficult, bro. If I, if I was picking the team and seeing the problems we had at 12 last year, I would be picking Thomas Umaga Jensen. Now, I don't know. I mean, credit to the guy, and I don't know why Tony Brown let him do it. But did you see him make a tackle with one arm on the weekend? Yeah, so apparently he dislocated his shoulder, which is not good. <laughs> but he played on for like 10 minutes afterwards. Yeah. So he's. I've seen Snapchats of them on the piss with their... Uh... <laughs> What do you call it? End of season do. Yeah, Mad Monday, yeah. Well, I was in sort of some sort of a sling. I don't know how serious it was. But um he if he's if he's fresh, he should be in there. Just the, the way he moves for a big guy, like he's a year younger than us at school. And I remember like him and Peter carving up and they sort of were quick well, Peter was after school, he's quickly funneled into the to the lines and whatnot. And Thomas always seemed to be sort of marred by injury but just watching him this year and you know just the power that he has in carting it up but then just the way he bounces 
off the left and right. Like, it's just like, it's, it's unfair that a big fella can be moving that way. And again, like when he's played for the Highlanders, he has been their focal point for their attack. Yeah. Um, and he's and he's got all the skills as well to to play out the back. Um, maybe he doesn't have a kicking game, but you, you won't really need that when you've got the likes of, I don't know, depending on who you're playing at fullback, Geordie Barrett, Will Jordan, Bowden Barrett. We just need someone at 12 to get us over the game line. And Havili had his moments. Quintu Pai had his moments. Um, we have to see whether or not they're willing to play Jack Kutu there again. But yeah, Thomas would be the guy for me. I mean, if I were to pick a bolter for the squad, it would be Fakatava. I think he's going to be a difference maker. But I just think 12 has been a real area of concern, probably even more so than six, bro, for me personally. Just because like when things go to shit in our forwards, we need someone that we can turn to in the backs. And that arguably would have been Nani Lamapi last year. But obviously he got offside with the coaching staff and we had to pick from the rest of the guys. And they're quality players, bro. But as we saw when we went up against stiffer competition, yeah, our expansive game got nullified and we just didn't have anybody to turn to to get us front football. Yep, I agree. Uh, um, my ones were Thomas Umanga Jensen, Roger Tuivasa Sheik, Rico Ioane, David Harvey, and I went for the bolter of Alex Nankerville. Um, because I think we need a 13 cover and I don't I like you know I can see how you pick Goodhue but I just don't think he's the answer I think he's a very safe player but on attack he just kind of looks like he's running with two left feet a little bit and I would say the same about Braden Enor as well great player don't get me wrong awesome player but just is a little bit hmm I don't know. They're good. They're like a Conrad Smith, right? Both of them. They're 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 a Conrad Smith. And if they had this combination with a like they could be. If they had a combination with a Thomas Emanuel Jensen or with a Roger Tuivasa Sheik, then they could be like the next Martin on Conrad Smith pairing. But I just think Rico is going to start at thirteen and twelve spots up for grabs pretty much. So whether it's Harvey, Thomas Emanuel Jensen or Roger Tuivasa Sheik, the others are not really going to play unless they're, they're unless Rico's injured I reckon mm. I've always liked Alex Nankerville I, I personally think he's better than Quinty Pyre but again I know that you made the mention of size uh, with Fletcher Newell going up against bigger teams because I mean like fuck, we're going to spank the Aussies um, I mean the Irish are going to be a good test and then you, you look to the likes of England South Africa and even the French they're bigger teams and as much as I like Nankerville's skill set and think that he would he he would do a job at the All Blacks, yeah, we we sort of need a different we, we need difference makers in our backs that are safe on defense. And yeah, we just yeah, we don't we're not really spoiled for choice there um in terms of having combinations. And I think we really need to nail a combination at least well, yeah, by the end of this year at the very latest. And I think you're right. Iwani's put his name on that 13 jersey, so it's just about who they pair him with. And I just, I don't know Rod, why Roger Tuovasa-Sheck isn't wanting him to play on the wing. But yeah. Would I, you I, put I, Barrett there? I would, I would personally, but as we, as anyone who checked into that Ian Foster podcast on the All Blacks channel, Fozzie doesn't like him there. I don't know why. 
probably solves a massive headache with allowing Will Jordan to play fullback. But interesting. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Last but not least, outside backs. You go then, I'll go. Um, I went for Will Jordan, Geordie Barrett, Fanganuku, Sevi Reese, and All Black Bolter, your good friend and my good friend, Salisi Rayasi. You picking him over Caleb Clark? Yeah. I don't know. Caleb, has Caleb Clark been playing? Yeah, he was he was he was playing all right. He he did his hammy a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, yeah no, okay. no, feel free to elaborate, bro. Why why are you picking my arsey? Right, well, for me, it's like you're probably going to start with Will Jordan on one wing and Barrett at fullback, and then you got you got to have a you know they're your two safe players that they've got X Factor, but they don't have Fiji and X Factor. Yeah. So you then you you can filter in from there. You can either have a Ray Arce, a Sevi Reese, or a Fanganuku who all bring a bit of X Factor, and they all well Sevi Reese is big, but he's strong as heck. Mm. So like Fanganuku and Ray Arce are big, big fellas. Yeah. And I just think even if you did, if you chop changed it right, and you had Barrett on the bench, Will Jordan at fullback, you could have, you know, Sevi Reese on one wing and uh, Fanganuku on the other, or you could have Ray Arce on one wing and Fanganuku on the other, or Will Jordan on the other and Barrett at fullback. You know, there's a quite good combinations there. Mm. But I hear Caleb Clark, he, uh, he could be, he, he definitely could be on the scene. I just think that Ray Arce offers. It'd be interesting, like you know, we know him. He can, he can do incredible things, and um, he can have some shockers. But I think you never, you never, know, never going to know if he don't, you know, if he mm. doesn't get an opportunity. So he could be the next Sivi Sivivatu. So that's nope. my. I I totally agree um, with your explanation. And as well with Salisi, I mean, like, or oh, him and Lester, they're big bodies and they're both good in the air. So we're not going to have to panic like we did with George Bridge last year. Um, but I think the only thing with Salisi is that he's played in a weak side. And so not not to take anything away from Fanganuku. So, I mean, I'll quickly name my five. So I've gone with Caleb Clark, Will Jordan, Jordy Barrett, Severis, and Fanganuku. And the reason why I've gone with the latter ahead of Ryasi, even though I think Salisi's probably got more potential and a better skill set, it's just that he's playing in a good team and he's just been able to nail his role. Whereas I think when you play in the Hurricanes, at least this year, they've had to worry about more than just doing their job. Um, and as you said, unfortunately for Salisi, he does have some brilliant moments where you're just like, mate, only he could do that. And then he does have some moments where it's just like, I'm not sure what he was thinking. Um, and and that and and that's you know, you got to take the good with the bad. And for the most part, Salisi's been really good. Um I mean, I'm not gonna mention anything about why the Hurricanes keep picking Julian Sevilla. That that's probably a tale for another podcast. But yeah, I just think Fanganuka's got the inside running on him playing for a better team. And maybe I'm not sure if I mean I know that the All Blacks are, are big on having utilities and Fanganuku can arguably cover the midfield as well at a pinch. Yep. But yeah, it, it is going to be interesting, like you said, to see how they squeeze all that talent into a back line or where the, where they look to play guys. Because, I mean, I, I get the case with having Jordy Barrett at the back because, again, he's, he's a bigger body. He's probably a bit more trustworthy under the high ball than Will Jordan. But 
fuck, Will Jordan has just been on a tear. I mean, like, you put 10 bucks on either him or Severis to score a try, and it's oil. I don't know how, I don't know how he does it. Like, Will Jordan doesn't really have a sidestep, but he just seems to be one of those guys who has a knack for being in the right place at the right moment. Mm. And even when he's turned it on for the All Blacks, well, I, don't, I can't remember what the, the stupid stat is. I think he's scored, like, He's scored like, sixteen tries and, and like, sixteen tests or nine tests. Well, no, less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah, no. It's it's more. It's his strike rate's more than one um, per game. So, do you reward him and give him the opportunity in fifteen? And then, what does that mean for Barrett? Because if you're going to be having Wunger on the bench or or Bowden on the bench, is there a need to have you know a guy who's? I, I, I really think Barrett's. The, I think Jordy Barrett's the perfect bench player. He's now he's at cover for twelve and he's at cover for fifteen or wing. Like he's at utility kind of anything. Would you bring yeah. him on and play him on the wing though? That's sort of and this, well, this like, is my thinking though. Like if well, you have... you probably bring him on and put Will Jordan in the wing, but like he could cover the wing if you know you got a winger injured. You see, I yeah. I I I I'd personally play him at twelve. I like the idea of having. Well, him that's the thing as well. He could it. cover twelve. You know, if the twelve got injured, then he could come on and cover twelve as well. Whereas if you're going to have the bench player, you're only picking, you only got, uh, well, put it this way, you're only really, hit, you have one out, midfield or outside back on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. So who do you have on your bench? Well, th- well, that's well, that's the point I'm trying to make, bro, is that if you have to put either Bowden Barrett or Richie Moinger on the bench. Yeah. You have to, so- you have, to have a 10 at number 21. I mean, I, 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 was, I was even going to throw it out there, bro, whether or not they would need either one of those two, whether it be Bowden or, or Richie on the bench, if you have Geordie on the bench. Because I don't know, I think you need almost like an out-and-out outside back there, and I'm not sure Geordie's really that option. I mean, I like the idea of like bringing Severis into a game late, but again, like, does he warrant the start with how well he's been playing and his strike rate, um, both at the test level and at Super Rugby, bro? I'm not too sure. And then... Another curveball, if Richie Mwanga doesn't play or isn't starting and Jordy Barrett doesn't start, are you trusting Bowden Barrett to take the goal kicks? Uh, he, he doesn't even goal kick for the Blues, bro. Pedal Feta oh, does really? it. <laughs> uh, interesting. Uh, so you need Jordy in there if, you, if you're going to start Barrett. Yeah, right. Okay. And that's where I think he fits in at 12 because we don't have a 12. And Jordy's playing or has been being playing in an average team where he hasn't really had that much front football. So if you have him at 12, you have Rico at 13, you have Will Jordan at the back, you have Sever on one wing, and then, yeah, you take your pick on who you want your power winger to be on the left side. And then you have her on the bench. We have either Barrett or Mwanga. And then I would probably go Havili because then he covers from 12 out. What did you talk about? Sheik doesn't get a crack. They'll give him an opportunity, but not straight away. I mean, like he's still so raw. Like the the potential is there, and I hate using that word, but there's. I think once you get to that test level, and remember, he's playing in a Blues team where his flaws are probably getting covered up with the likes of Dalton and Rico and and Bowden. That at that level you know, you just can't afford to miss tackles or make wrong reads, you know, in, in, in the crunch. And yes, he's come a long way since he got palmed off by Balen Sullivan in round two. But 
I don't know. I've always been very critical of guys who get picked. I mean, like, he's going to get picked, right? Like, there's no way he would have come all the way over from league where he's in a million bucks a year and not get an opportunity. So he's going to be in there, but whether or not he quite has the nous and the knowledge after one year of real rugby, because he didn't, he didn't even get an ITM Cup or what is it, a Bunnings NPC under his belt last year because of COVID. So, yeah, he's, he's worth the investment, but is he our solution at 12 for next year's World Cup? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure you can adapt that quickly, but I mean, hey, he, he's, a, he's a freak of an athlete and by all accounts from what I've read and listened to, he loves cracking into his notebook and asks all the right questions. So he might prove me wrong, but I just felt like playing in the midfield and only having 18 months to upskill yourself I thought that was cutting it pretty tight. Yeah, fair. No, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'd like to see what Ireland's team is that they're going to put out. Because, um, yeah, I haven't haven't really watched the too much of the Leinster that were in the final. Yeah, uh, the Champions Cup, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there must be a few of them in there. They've got uh, that fella from North Harbour, the halfback. Gibson Park. Gibson Park, who's like the next Aaron Smith for Ireland. He's pretty bloody good. I've heard that James Lowe got dropped for one of the Six Nations tests, so is he still there? He was one of the ones that won it for the last mm-hmm. time they played the All Blacks. Yeah, probably some some new faces. I know they've got a few that have retired and they're loose forwards, so yeah, they'll, they'll bring it. It'll just be interesting to see what they have and um, if they've got some newbies that are that are coming out that we don't know about, yeah, I'm actually yeah, I, I'm really interested to see how this series plays out because I I do think we are quite a big chance to lose only because they beat us last year, so they have that belief and all the pressures on us and for Fozzie to get it right because he's got 18 months to prepare us for the World Cup, yeah. And he hasn't settled on a team. Like, if, if you think back to last year, like, what progress was made with the All Blacks? What progress was made? Um, yeah, like he, he hasn't he hasn't settled on a he hasn't settled on a spine. So he has he hasn't nailed his ten, and that was probably the biggest bee in my bonnet for him. It's like, yes, I know it's bloody difficult to pick between two world class players, but you can't you can't afford to keep chopping and changing them. And now, the, yeah. and then, like, what's going to happen this series, right? What happens if Bowden doesn't play well in the first test and the All Blacks lose? Or if we win the first test and then Bowden doesn't play well in the second test, does he warrant getting dropped? Like, Ian Foster just doesn't, and he's and he's shown he isn't a guy to make like a bold call where he's just like, okay, yep, I'm getting rid of this really experienced guy, like what Steve Hansen did with Rico Iwani in the Lions series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or and not yeah. picking Owen Franks in the yeah. Uh, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, we're, we're going to see come next Monday if he has those types of calls in him. But as history shows, and again, yeah, I, I guess it is worth mentioning that 2020 was pretty fucked, you know, like with having to deal with COVID. And then even last year with having to take, was it like 40 guys on tour and they're on the road for three months? Like all that shit was unprecedented. But I don't know. There's just something about like when I listen to that guy 
in press conferences. He just doesn't give me any confidence, you know? Like, imagine him giving, like, a fucking rev up to the All Blacks, you know, before a test. Like, that just wouldn't happen. I, 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 I personally can't picture it, and maybe he goes about it in a different way. But I think maybe the, the thing that the All Blacks have going for them, and I'm not sure if the Irish's game has changed a hell of a lot, but is having Joe Schmidt in there. Because he, he used to coach Leinster before he got the Irish job. Hopefully, you know, he... I don't know. I don't know if they've they obviously changed their calls and shit, but depending on how game one goes, he can give us or can give the team um, some better coaching than what I think they've got in the past two years. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I think if it doesn't go well, if we if we lose, if we don't win the series, I think Foster gets sacked. I think the public outcry will be incredibly bad like we've never ever well who was the last nation that we lost a three test series to in new zealand all right i'm gonna go full adam julian on you it was 94 and it was against the french that's exactly right so over tw- uh, almost 20 years ago no 30 years ago almost, yeah and he's and if we lose the series it's the first time in 30 years and you think that they're going like, to let him stay on based off what happened last year, off all those, we, what did we lose, five games? Did we lose five? Yeah, I think we did. Um, I, was just, I just can't see them holding on to him for the World Cup. They'll get rid of him like the Warriors got rid of old oh, mate. It's like the Warriors should have got rid of them when they lost to Melbourne by 70 points. Like, you know what I mean? Why'd they hold on for like another month? <laughs> it's probably the same here. Like, we should have got rid of them last year, but we're holding on. Let's give him Joe Schmidt. If he beats the Irish, then they'll hold on through to the World Cup. And, but if he doesn't, see you later, unfortunately. And then who does Robertson get the gig straight away? Has to. Has to. Oh, I, I, I'd love to see it personally. I mean, you, you hate to see guys lose their job, but I think in the best interests of the All Blacks and our chances of winning the World Cup next year, yeah, Foster's not the guy for me. I personally. agree. I agree. But, yeah, we'll see. And Joe Schmidt might make a big difference. Well, that's, well, 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 that's the interesting thing, right? Like, I mean, nobody else is going to know besides those in camp how big of an impact and how much influence he's going to have because he's only been brought in as a selector. But has the rugby union been like, I'm not sure we trust Foster to get the job done. So what we'll do is that we'll throw this coach in there and we'll say that he's a selector, but really he's the one that's going to be calling the shots. Now it's it's probably not to that extent, but yeah, I think that he's going to have a very hands-on gig with the all blacks and it's gonna and it's gonna be a good thing but yeah i think yeah foster's yeah he's he, i mean he's, he's on a hiding to nothing really because i think if the all blacks start winning again people are probably going to point to joe schmidt and then if he loses he's out of a job and i, I agree with you bro like if we lose the irish series yeah there's no way he he survives um but i'm just thinking like from a disruption perspective because i mean like that that'd be unprecedented from the all blacks to sack their coach you know not even a quarter of the way into the into the tests um window or the 
whatever you call it. And then, yeah, Robertson's in there and then he's picked the squad, right? So then he obviously has to wait until the championship to pick players and will we see a shake-up there? I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many factors that come in with sacking a coach. But yeah, I think you're right. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't you'd probably get fucking nobody at an all-black game if he was to stay on after losing the series. Mm. And I feel really horrible saying all this because, you know, you, you don't want to see anybody lose their job, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we can leave it there. Absolutely. Um, all right. Interesting that all three tests are sold out now. You can't get a double pass for the Wellington test and you can't get a, a double pass for the uh, Mouldy All Black test. So they must have sold out or there's only single tickets remaining. I don't think they've made it official yet, but which mm. is quite cool. So there's obviously a good hype around it and people are, are wanting to get out there and um, and and go to an All Black test because it's been a while and it's been a, you know, a woman only we played Australia or something, but it's cool to have a team from outside of Australia come. And I think that's it's bloody awesome for not not only the economy, but everyone else and the, the vibe that's going to be around the whole country for the whole month of July is going to be pretty cool. And, 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 and it'll be good rugby as well. I mean, like we saw last year, I mean, although we lost, it was still a competitive game. And I think that's what us as Kiwis... I guess have to wait until typically the end of the year to to have to sit and watch. Um, but yeah, they're coming to us and yeah, fuck. I've one might be chucking a cheeky twenty on the Irish, but <laughs> yeah. They're paying um, their favourites, mate. <laughs> yeah, well they definitely are in our books, bro. Um but yeah, like you said, we'll wrap that up there, bro. Just wanna say thanks again, brother, for taking some time out to help me. And yeah, I guess we have to see come Monday whether any of our bolters or obscure selections come to fruition yeah always a pleasure mate um for all those that are still listening at uh at this time um especially those ones that i've named pay me up i'll send you my bank account details so (laughs) for the shout outs (laughs) i know you're listening (laughs) all right bro thanks again See you around. Peace.